coming up on today's show. Joe and I are in the Big Apple. And speaking of apples, I'm starving. And Joe's been eating like a king. Can we get some lunch after this? Not now, son. You're still training. Kyle Rudolph joins the show to dish some dirt on his QB, Kid Cuzzy, and also tells us why he does not like the nickname Kid Cuzzy. Sorry, John. Locker room recordings, gambling per diem, and why Tory Holt's instructional DVD did not make me a satisfied customer. All of this and much, much more coming up on another College Football Hall of Fame edition of The Tomahawk Show. Welcome to the Tomahawk Show, ladies and gentlemen, episode 100 and something or another. I know that because we celebrated our 100th episode a couple weeks ago. So here we are. And this is a special treat because not very often do me and Joe actually get to sit beside each other and do the show. And that's where we're at. We're in a hotel room right now in New York City, in Manhattan, in Midtown. We are about a foot apart from each other. Joe. How you doing, man? I'm doing amazing, and I feel like it's my duty as your co-host, as your Batman, to your, you be my Robin. Absolutely. Uh, to let everybody know that you are absolutely the hardest working man in media because <laughs> you told me about your schedule yesterday, which was insane. Then you went right from total access and jumped on a plane, took a red eye here to New York City. As soon as you landed, I think you walked from LaGuardia into Manhattan to Backwards. be with me here in Midtown to sit in my hotel room on my couch. And you don't sound like you haven't slept in two days, which you haven't. And that's yeah. amazing. And that's a credit to your genetics because Thank clearly hard work pays uh, no, plays no part in this. Well, it's funny because if you don't see that I'm tired, you don't see the effects. That means it's burning inside. So uh, <laughs> That means the Mountain Dew is paying off right now and yes. you're sweating out a uh, yellowish substance that clearly <laughs> I'm hoping it's Mountain Dew and it's not some type of disease that you've inf- been infected with in the subways. Exactly. So I'm in New York, uh, last minute trip to host Kneading Dough, um, our video series over at Uninterrupted. I'll be interviewing the man, the myth, the legend, Maverick Carter. And my hotel happened to be 0.4 miles away from Joe's hotel, who is in New York City to celebrate his 13th Hall of Fame induction mm. Um, mm. in the last calendar year. What Hall of Fame are you going into this time? So this is a, a baby one. This is uh, made up, actually, by myself. Okay. It's the College Football Hall of Fame. It's the one you're going to be inducted into next, next year, year for that. that great career that you had yes. at Toledo. A um, lot of receivers in this class. Uh, at least one that I can think of, Tory Holt. That's so that was a big one. He went to NC State, which Torrey was Holt owes me pretty money. awesome. And I'll be sure to tell him that tonight. So we had the little luncheon uh, this morning, and then we have a little break. So, of course, what do you do on a break in between a Hall of Fame luncheon and the actual induction? You get together with your man Hawk, and you do some <laughs> podcasting in your exactly. hotel room uh, like a couple of creeps. And uh, so we're up here, but the, the best part, of the luncheon so far was Rocket Ishmael, Notre Dame fame. Yes, great, CFL alum too. Great NFL, great college player. Told us the story of how he got the nickname Rocket, and it was absolutely freaking hilarious. He wanted to go to Toledo instead of Notre he Dame. He wanted to be a Toledo Rocket, yes. but they wouldn't offer him. Right, And nope. so he decided to take the money and run and go to Notre Dame. <laughs> they had a billion-dollar check on the table for him when he was being recruited. Uh, but no, it was, it was actually really funny because – he gave this great story about how his track coach in seventh grade talked like the penguin from Batman. And uh, <laughs> he put a dollar on the track and he was trying to tell everybody how you're supposed to come out of the blocks low 
And if you're low enough during the drive phase, you'll be able to reach down and grab the dollar. And, uh-huh. and uh, Rocket Ishmael was like, man, I was so poor at that time. I needed that dollar so bad. So I was the only one in the class who could come out far, fast enough and low enough. And I got that dollar. And this coach started going off about, man, you got shot out of them blocks like a rocket. And he said from that point on, his nickname was Rocket. And he still to this day, he introduces himself as uh, Rocket Ishmael. That's hilarious. Um, and part of it was because his track coach couldn't say Rakib, which I think is his actual given name. So right, it works out better for everybody. But right. Everybody won. and Everybody won with that nickname. And he didn't lose any eligibility by his track coach paying him a dollar every time he came out of the block. <laughs> That's right. So that was a nice way to circumvent the NCAA process. <laughs> so, right. And here he is, College Football Hall of Fame. Co- College Football Hall of Fame. Fame. A lot of other great names that are in this class. Um, Vince Young, London mm. Fletcher, Cleveland's finest, one of the greatest people yes. and players in yep. NFL history. Uh, very deserving, making the college Vince football Young, Hall of former Fame. former Cleveland Brown quarterback great. Vince Young, former great Cleveland Browner. Yeah. Yes, that's exactly right. He had a cup of coffee with me in Cleveland. Didn't get to make the jersey though because he never actually played in a game with me well it's funny he was a practice guy in cleveland that was the year that i came and it was the off season of 2014 and there was one time you know he's back there he's passing he takes off running yeah. and i'm like oh this is vince young yeah. and he went to like juke somebody and put a foot in the ground and it looked like his hip <laughs> popped out of place and that's when I knew okay this isn't you're like this, this isn't is, the Hall of Fame this quarterback is not, this is not the Vince Young I remember <laughs> no. from the Rose Bowl running this in is, on Pete Carroll's defense uh, yeah this man is, this is the Pete Carroll Bob Wiley would have made this is a, a better Wiley, change of direction Vince Young cut. Walker it's funny because okay so Rocket Ishmael Rocket we talked about Toledo can you guess how many college receiving yards I had you or Rocket me not Rocket Oh, I, it's a good game because I'm going into the College Football yeah, Hall of Fame. Yeah, like 2,500 or something like that, maybe. You know, if you had, let's say, 500 your sophomore year and then uh-huh. about 1,000 your junior and senior years, that mm-hmm. would be my guess. Yeah, so no. Of um, course, a receiver would know exactly what his stats I'm are. I'm roughly around 632 yards. Career. Are you serious? <laughs> it's my entire No wonder career. you didn't get drafted. <laughs> Short, <laughs> slow, Zero and stats. he's got no stats. <laughs> So it's funny because everyone's like, oh, you didn't do anything in the league. You only had, you know, 3,000 yards as a pro. That was the most yards I've really? had. I got better. Like, I, my college stats were better than my high school stats. I had like 175 career receiving yards in, in, in high school. And then I got more in college and more in Canada so, and then more in the NFL. So what you were saying is you were lazy also in college because I was saving myself. You were saving yourself for yeah. bigger and better things. So I was like, I don't want to blow it all now. Yeah. I'm going to wait until I, I, I actually get paid for it. I wouldn't want to actually have yards against these Mac opponents <laughs> right. that I'm significantly more talented than. Even the guys who had 4,000 yards in the Mac didn't make it to the league. So what did that... that you know, it you know? probably says a lot more about the guy throwing you the football. So yes. Bruce Gradkowski, I know you listen He's to all of our shows. You are the reason... I'm not that Hawk was not in the College Football Hall of Fame in this class. He's going next year. Yeah. But you're also the reason that Hawk didn't get drafted. So if I you agree. want to send a check to the Andrew Hawkins Family Foundation, yep. Los Angeles, California, he lives in those mansions right next to LeBron. Yep. So LeBron, make sure. me, Oprah. <laughs> send him that $5 million check that you owe him. A-S-A-P. Yeah, man. So um, Tory Holt. This is why Tory Holt owes me money. Around that same time, in my quest to have more than 632 career receiving yards in college, you know, I, I, the thing, I wanted to be good, man. I wanted to be great. I wanted to have a leg up. 
You know, so I was up late one night in college. All my friends were probably out partying. It was like 12 a.m. and I see this infomercial for Tory Holt. He's like, Wait, he had an infomercial. He had an infomercial. That's fantastic, Go look it up on way. YouTube. It has to be there. And it's like, was he selling? Like, do you want to know what it takes to be the best? I will let your. I will show your receivers how to be the best, how to get the most out of their ability. I am an NFL wide receiver, and there is techniques that give you an advantage. So I'm like, hell yeah, <laughs> I want all of that, Tory. So you know, I'm in college. I have zero dollars. Right, like I probably have forty bucks in my. Account. You must not have been good at coming out of the blocks, or your track yeah, coach would have given you a dollar. Exactly, I came out high every time, missed every buck. So I take twenty nine ninety nine of my forty six bucks in my account, and I order the Tory Holt DVD because I'm like, you know what, the only way to get more it? money it was like twenty nine ninety nine. Oh my god! And I'm like, all right, I'm gonna get this, and I'm gonna train with it. I'm like a sophomore, junior in college, right? So I'm trying to get like, I want league tutoring. I get this DVD, man. It was like if you were coaching receivers for a sixth grade flag football team, this DVD wouldn't have helped one of them. <laughs> it was like what was so bad you, about it? Make sure when you cut left to use your right foot. And I'm like, what? You can't even cut left using left foot if you tried. It's like when you're running in for a touchdown, don't slow down. I'm like, dude. And I, I, I didn't know how to return a DVD to an infomercial, so, so I ate it, and I'm, he owes me 30 bucks. I'm so glad that you told me that story, because I've got a few questions for Tori tonight. One, how much did it cost to produce that award-winning video? Because I'm sure <laughs> they won Oscars for that thing. Obviously. And two, how much money did you make? And and then maybe the follow-up is going to be, by the way, you owe my man Hawk twenty nine ninety nine. I, I think I said that to him once, like when I met him jokingly, and, like, hey, you he owe me 30 like, bucks. I'm sorry. And it actually about? pissed him off, I think. <laughs> oh, that's He was kind of like... Well, he was in a real cheery mood this morning, right. obviously being inducted into the Hall of Fame is a big deal, and so he was excited about that. So maybe this is the right time to go after Hawk's money. Win <laughs> Ben Stein's money back. When you said he was in an infomercial, maybe I thought for a second he was selling slap chops or no. something like that Linguini guy that used to be on TV. Remember he used to wear that headset yep, and yep. he was selling slap chops? I bet I, that guy's a billionaire right now. He's probably living in Hollywood next to you and Oprah. I was the only slap chop in that situation <laughs> for buying that stupid DVD. <laughs> um, do you like traveling? I like traveling if I'm not doing a lot of it. Like okay. if I if you had to travel every day for work or every week, mm-hmm. um, it would definitely get annoying, and I would definitely miss being in that routine of being home. Um, yeah. But like my Thursday night gig is nice because I travel Wednesday and I'm home on Friday, mm-hmm. and it's almost the routine of it is something that I like. Because playing in the NFL, I always got used to that routine, and I really always enjoyed that routine. Uh-huh. And so having that is good, but if you are just randomly all over the place, traveling like different places, different times of the week, I think it would just it would totally wear on me because I, my mind would just be so boggled. I can't keep stuff like that straight. I'm definitely a guy that can only think about one thing at a time. It's funny, like if I'm driving the car and I start talking to my wife i like naturally just start slowing down uh-huh. and she'll be like honey you're you're driving 10 miles under the speed limit stop talking to me because i <laughs> physically i am the biggest man of all time i cannot talk and do and think about something else it's it's pathetic well here's the thing about traveling with me over the last three years i've probably taken this is not an exaggeration 50 plus trips where i fly across the country and yeah, I'm you in the insane. city for less than 24 hours, and I fly back across the country. You have insane travel. 
So now I'm like so used to it that it's normal. So I literally landed in New York this morning and I'll be back in L.A. by late tonight. It pro- it affects me, I'm sure, like at the end of my life at some point. It's probably taking a day off every time I do that. <laughs> but now I'm so used to doing it, it yeah. really doesn't. Well, do you like to travel? So you asked me if I liked it and I kind of gave you my answer, which was shitty. But yeah, do you That's enjoy that part, that part of your job? I mean, you're so busy doing so many different things. I'm just a little chump and I have such a small little bite at the media apple right now I barely travel compared to you yeah no I I do like traveling I don't like traveling as much as I do but now but now that makes no sense no I like to like traveling but you don't like traveling as much as you do yeah so if it was like in smaller increments so you're answering it the same way I did yeah you would like it if it wasn't well let me okay I'll change it this I wish I didn't travel as much as I do now. You don't travel a lot now. I right. did the same thing last Tuesday. Like our our audio yeah. engineer was also my audio engineer for the same thing I did last Tuesday, and it was the in same. New York City, in New York City, <laughs> in Manhattan. I was here for thirteen hours and went right back to L.A. Yeah, you're you're an idiot. I do it in Atlanta. I've done it in. I've flown to, flown to Miami and right back. Like it's so. Just, I'll, I'll tell you what I like about travel is because I'm such a foodie. I'm like the biggest food nerd. I just love to eat. And so the yeah. thing that I love the most about traveling and about the Thursday night gig is we're in a different city, and I usually try to find out you know what is this city known for? What do they really do a good job of? And go eat yeah. at a nice restaurant. Um, and sort of enjoy the the culinary scene there. And so we were in New York City last night with some friends, and we went to Catch Steakhouse, which is like this new steakhouse somewhere in Manhattan. I have no idea. Yeah, Uh, fancy. I have no idea where it is, but it's fancy, and uh, my financial advisor paid for it. So, of course, I racked up a huge bill (laughs) uh, eating all the best steaks. But it was like a really awesome dining experience. Now, they didn't have Mountain Dew on the menu, and they had no pizza. So I know you wouldn't have gone, but what do you love about traveling? Um, making money. <laughs> well, that works because that's the only reason I'll do it. And that's why I fly back so quickly because so, I travel so much. I love much. to travel <laughs> because I make money traveling. Well, I travel so much. If I don't go right back, I would never see my kids. So I have to like, that's the only way I could swing it is where like, hey, it's, it's essentially like I'm doing a long work day, babe. I'm going to go there. And I'm gonna. I'm commuting across the country. It's funny because it, what <laughs> your, time is it right now? Your We're, long work days are 36 hours. Yeah. It's 1.53 right now. I haven't eaten since the meal they gave us before we taped Total Access yesterday, which was at So we were on at eight fifteen, we had a meal at five thirty. Is this how that you That was did, the last time I've eaten. Is this how you did your ten day cut last summer where you were able it to lose the weight because you just started traveling and you stopped eating? Exactly. Yeah, I haven't I so I don't do it for the food. Also, Ketch has an incredible tomahawk steak. I had oh, it on New thanks Year's. Thanks for telling me now. Yep, me and me and the wife went to catch on New Year's here in New York the last two years, and we get the tomahawk steak. So outside of the financial benefit of traveling, is there mm-hmm. anything else that you enjoy about it? Like frequent no. flyer miles? Like you can take your kids on a nice Disney vacation? Yeah, no. In the off season? Um, there's, there's nothing. Nothing else. It's, yeah, it's, okay. it's, bottom, it's a bottom line business. And I don't leave the United States. Do they give you one of those little boosters for your feet so your feet don't dangle when I you're barely on the plane? even sit in first class. I'm usually in the middle <laughs> seat it. in the back of the plane. Both you, ways. You can't tell me that NFL Network and Uninterrupted don't put you in first class. Or are you just such a small person that they figure they can save a little bit of money and you yeah. won't know the difference? Well, that's just my personality anyway. Because Not that I don't care, but I'm not like the, hey, I need to be first class travel. I'm not 6'7". It doesn't... 
I did get it last night because I, if I didn't, there was no way I would get any sleep. Which, yeah. Yeah, yeah, those red eyes are, are real tough. It's funny because in the NFL, I mean, we travel a lot during the season. For but like, you don't notice it. But you don't notice it. Because it's like 24 hours. And it's only And you're on a chartered plane. Right. And everything is like the elements are so controlled around you. Yeah, it's like a you get a one-hour nap in a chair. That's basically what it <laughs> yeah. is because you, you show up with your bag. You walk right onto the plane. You throw your little handbag. I know you had the fake Louis Vuittons. Oh, I yeah, had like you know me, baby. the Cabela's uh, travel Right. suitcase that I would throw in the overhead camo, compartment yeah, it's camouflage yeah. uh, and then you, you close your eyes for an hour and then most of the travel from Cleveland was short because yep. you're pretty close to all those NFL cities um, and so it's, it's easy then you get there and you go to your hotel room and you maybe watch a little college football you've got your meetings and your dinner and then you go to mm-hmm. bed and you wake up the next morning you go to the stadium play the game and as soon as the game's over you're home within an hour after the game plus whatever the travel time is, you know. So if you play in, let's say, Baltimore, it's an hour after the game, you're on the bus going to the airport, and then as soon as you get to the airport, everybody loads up the plane and you're at home in an hour. So within two and a half hours after the game in Baltimore, I'm home in my bed already. Already. So it doesn't really feel like travel when you have to travel with the normies. Like we're traveling now, you know, with the NFL network and and, uh, uninterrupted. (laughs) The gin pop. All these people that have to suffer through regular travel. They don't get to fly privately. Look, tell me this. What was your least favorite city to travel to? So it was a combination uh, a tie between Detroit and Pittsburgh. And it had nothing to do with the city itself, but it had to do with the fact like that we had to, to be- bus there. Yeah. So for whatever reason, logistically, it would take more time if we got on a plane and flew to Pittsburgh because the Pittsburgh airport is super far away from downtown. Right. You may know this being a Western PA guy, but yep. I've never flown into Pittsburgh's airport. We always just got on the bus and drove like two and a half hours. And most people think, oh, a bus drive is not that bad. But when you're a big guy, those coach bus seats are actually really small and uncomfortable. And I'm so long that I can't sit regular. So the only way I can fit is those seats is to kind of go diagonal, which would always mm-hmm. jack up my back and my neck. And so at the end of every one of those trips, it was just a nightmare. And you can imagine playing a football game on a Sunday <laughs> and then getting shoehorned into a coach bus for a two and a half, three hour ride. As soon as you're done with that, you feel like you've been shoved into a suitcase for a month and you can barely stand up and you kind of hobble off the plane and then you and I would go right into the cryo chamber to try yeah. to heal ourselves, which, yes. which helped the a little bit. But, uh, yeah, but Detroit was the same issue. And so I just I hated those bus trips. What about the especially train? Especially home. The train was awesome. You like the train? I love the train. So the year we had Mike Patton, uh, we went and practiced against the Buffalo Bills mm-hmm. in upstate New York. And we took the train from Cleveland because it was kind of a fun experience they thought it would be. And I actually really liked it because those train cars, the Amtrak cars, are very comfortable. They're very large and roomy. You can look out the window. We got a chance to you know, share some time with your brothers, with your friends on the team. Mm-hmm. I thought it was really cool, actually. I know some of the guys hated it. But for me, looking out the train window, I, I just have like a part of me that's an old soul. And I really kind of enjoyed that. <laughs> I do like the train. I do like the train. So All you like that trip. And Coach... Bus seats too are like first class seats to me, so I don't really don't give a yeah. shit. 
It's all the same. Yeah. Um, I'm actually taking the train on Wednesday because I'm going to go from New York City to Baltimore for the Thursday night game, which is the Baltimore uh, uh, Ravens yep. versus the Jets. So instead of flying from New York to Baltimore, I'm going to just take the train. It's going to be a great little trip. I it can't really wait. Is, man. If I can find out how to get to the train station and get on the right train. It's easy. Because it's not Penn, something that you do all the time. So station, there is like simple. a learning curve. I feel like I'm that old person that's going to the airport for the first time in like 30 right. years and i'm gonna be there like four hours before my flight all nervous because <laughs> i don't know how everything goes and i'm gonna be taking my shoes off when i shouldn't and the, yeah it's gonna be embarrassing yeah and the train they might leave early okay that happens. definitely gonna be there four hours before my train leaves dip now. on you but the thing is if you can make it all you, you just got to be there before it leaves and you can get on it's not like the i'll be the guy running after it like throwing my bag <laughs> over the top and trying to get in the door oh, somebody open the door all right. Um, my favorite part of traveling, not my favorite part, but it's just a story. So we always. I didn't get, ask that question, by the way. Yeah, no. Nope. Uh, thank you. That's your <laughs> There's broadcasting your media chops. We would get per diem every time we traveled. So they would give you like, a, as you get on the plane. I did like the per diem. That was a good They would plan. give you like an envelope of money. How much would it be? It'd be like it 40 would be bucks a day. Yeah. It would be 37. It was always weird because you get like a 20, a 10, a 5, and a couple singles. Yep. And what we like to do, are, is this the story this you're going to tell? Go ahead and run ahead. it because no, I'm going to tell not, you not. how I used to cheat. Okay. It, so the, the quick version is $37 in an envelope is bad news for an NFL player because what do we want to do with it? The first thing we want to do is gamble it away. Yep. Unless because, you're Rocket Ishmael, then you yeah, save because, those dollars. I mean, who spends cash anyway anymore? You're spending credit cards. So you either want to walk off that plane with like $1,000 in your hand or nothing. <laughs> There's right. no in between. It doesn't do you any good. So what we used to do is we'd play this game. I don't even know if it had a name, but the kickers or the specialists would usually organize it mm -hmm. and they would get a bag, like a barf bag basically from the stewardess uh -huh. and everyone would write their numbers on the $20 bills that they got and would stuff them in the bag and they would walk up and down the aisle and the, the trainers would play, the coaches would play, like everybody would get in and then you'd have the stewardess right before the plane was going to take off would pull one bill out and usually that first person would get their 20 back and then the next bill that got pulled out, they would get the whole bag of money and so if everybody on the plane was participating, you'd usually get like a thousand bucks or something, yep. which was real money. That's great. So now go ahead with your story. I would put multiple 20s in there and then sometimes me and other teammates would all put one number on multiple 20s and just split it as a team instead of having just the $20. So it's not really cheating it because you are increasing your odds, but you're also paying the same ratio as everybody right. else is. But I won three times doing it that way. So I won twice, and one time I got screwed. Uh, and I'm going to tell you the quick version of that. <laughs> um, we had this running back named Armand Smith, and sometimes we would have the rookies be the ones that would pull. Okay. And so... The first number that came out of there was uh, Gary Barnage, I think. So Gary got his money back. The next one that he pulls out, he looks at it, and it's my number. And so he says over the microphone with the stewardess, he goes, Mr. $84 million, because I had just signed that week uh -huh. my second contract, which was reported, which was incorrect, but was reported to be $84 million. Right. And so he says, Mr. 84 million, but because he was speaking into like the microphone that the stewardess was using and the players were all in the back of the plane, they all we heard was 84. 84. <laughs> so Jordan Cameron, who was 84 at the time, walks up, takes the bag of money and Armand Smith being a rookie doesn't say anything about it. It just gave him the, the bag of money. And so we didn't even find out that 
I was the one that was supposed oh. to win until the next day. And at that time, there was so much controversy swirling around who actually was supposed to get the money. Nobody felt bad for you. Yeah, he gave, he gave me the money and was like... Dude, you just signed a new deal. Can't I just keep it? Yeah. And so you kind of feel bad about it. So that's the move that I would was, expect him to that make. That was the two times that I won the grab bag of money. And uh, now apparently Hawk owes me some money too. So if I got that money from Tory Holt tonight, I'm definitely keeping it <laughs> because I feel like you cheated me in some way out of my grab hey, bag. Hey, man. If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. We need to talk about the Patriots. Should we talk about the Patriots? Your career with the Patriots or just the Patriots in general? The Patriots in How general. Their, their season's over and Tom Brady's dead. And no, they were, no they were taping the Bengals practice. So or pre I read something. the report. Okay, what is your take from the report? Supposedly what happened was they're doing a documentary on their scouts, right. their scouts who go to the stadium, which doesn't make sense to me because there's no way NFL teams still send their scouts to go watch other teams play in the stadium. We have this thing called video in <laughs> modern technology where you can watch the games on TV or you could just watch the video that every team in the NFL has of uh-huh. all the plays of every game. So it makes no sense that they had a scout in the stadium. But supposedly the Browns gave them permission to have a documentary crew recording the four scout for the Patriots that was there to scout the Bengals. Uh-huh. Now, what's your what's your take on that? What did you hear? You know what? Like from the the story I heard, it the, the a bang a Bengals personnel member or media or something noticed a somebody in a Patriots shirt filming, like <laughs> like with the, the old sideline. school dad VHS yeah. on the shoulder video recorder. And I've gone back and forth with this so many times. And they said that when they asked him, he identified himself as someone who's worked f- for Mr. Kraft. Right? So I'm like, okay. if I Who do you work for? Who does number two work for? <laughs> and I'll a, never tell you. It's a funny story. because Bob Kraft then, said he'd kill me. I mean, my <laughs> boss said he'd kill me if I ever told anybody. So there was really an interrogation. Did they tie him up? Like that, James they took Bond, him into a room. They, they, they cut a hole in the bottom of the seat, and they tied him down <laughs> naked and started hitting him with the rope with the knot on the end. They put him in a room and they like made him show him the video. They asked, they questioned him. They showed him the video. They, yeah, they made. Did like, they have good cop, bad cop? Yeah, they there was like they, on, these questions. They confiscated the video. They said they said the guy tried to get them like, hey, just delete the footage and let's just go our separate ways. Yeah. They were like, happened. they were like, no. And so it was like it's like a it's like a thing. And I try to I'm trying to wrestle with, okay, if I'm spying, if I'm in charge of spying for the Patriots, would I wear a Patriots shirt? I don't know, right? And then. If someone asked me who I work for, would I then say Mr. Kraft? So the Patriots have said they were a third-party production company that was doing the filming for this documentary, and they're not really a part of the Patriots organization. They don't know the NFL rules, blah, 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 blah. Seems but then I'm you, like, huh? You said Ray Farmer got suspended four games for text messaging from the sideline. Yes. What is this going to be for the Patriots? I don't know, because for the last one, they lost a, what, a first-round pick? I forget what the punishment was for, but I remember I played with Hank Fraley my rookie year, and he was on the Eagles team that lost to the Patriots in the Super Bowl, and he was certain that the Patriots had their openers because they were watching their walkthrough or taping. I think this was after the Spygate stuff, but he was certain that the Patriots screwed him out of the Super Bowl win because they had <sighs> somehow infiltrated and recorded their practice or watched their openers or somehow got a hold of it and knew what they were running at the beginning of the game. Bad news. It's bad news, man. Either way, the Patriots are always trying to take an advantage. And I remember my rookie year, Romeo Cornell was our head coach. And when we went back to New England, I'm not saying anything, but I'm saying (laughs) that 
all of a sudden we had a lot more security people around our hotel that were hired by the Browns, that were hired by Romeo. We had a lot more people that were much more sensitive about leaving your playbook around in the hotel. We had security guards outside of our locker room door that never happened anywhere else. So Mm. you know that when we were going back to New England, Romeo was like, I know what goes on here, and I'm not going to let him do it to me now that I'm an opposing coach. Uh, Because we had heard from as you have heard, you know, throughout the NFL circles that the Patriots would always send somebody to the hotel after the team was there and just walk through the meeting rooms and make sure that nothing was left there because if anything got left there, they'd pick it up and it would go back to the Patriots. Just like in the locker room, uh, everybody's got their playbook, you've got your openers, you've got your scripted plays, and if nobody's attending the locker room door, they would send one of their locker room attendants in and he wouldn't even have to steal it. You could just take a quick picture of their first 15 plays, and now all of a sudden the Patriots' defense is a lot more well-prepared for the <laughs> openers that you're going to be running. And so whether that happened or not, I'm not sure, but Romeo seemed real concerned when we were going to uh-huh. New England to make sure that it wasn't going to happen to us. Well, Mangini, who comes from the Patriots' school of, of cheating. coaching. I mean coaching. Of, 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 of cheating slash coaching. Um, well, he, he was with the Jets. My brother was there. My brother told me the story. Well, about- that's why. Go ahead. Belichick hated Mangini when he went to the Jets because supposedly Mangini was the one that snitched on him for recording practice right. and spying. But that may be your story. Sorry for saying. So no, it, it, that's not the story. But it 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 does play into that because my brother had a watch stolen from him in the locker room with the Jets. Right. So somebody stole his watch out of his locker, and so he goes to the security like tell him, hey, somebody stole my watch, man. Like you know, a couple thousand dollars or whatever it was. And he said, like, a couple of days later, they bring him up there and basically show him the video of who it was. <laughs> like, yo, here, here he is. And they end up, they cut the guy, sent him home, blah, blah, blah. He said he wasn't even thinking about the watch. All he was thinking was, about was, motherfuckers have cameras in the locker room? <laughs> like, you're not supposed to have cameras in the locker Seems room. So a little ever since he told privacy. me that story, I've always been of the mind that I think every organization has recording devices in the locker room. Because if you're if you if I had eighty million dollars, which is what what's the seller cap? 180 million? Right now. Back then it was probably a hundred. Yeah. Okay. But so, now it's hundred and eighty or so if I have hundred and eighty million dollars in a room, which is essentially what an NFL team is, <laughs> right? Yeah, you're gonna would, watch it a little bit. Would I record it? Yeah, you'd, you'd watch would it. Would I want to know what's going on? You want to know what's going on? Come on, man. I, so, so the quick story: when Mangini took over, it was my third season, and all of a sudden we had this building remodel that went on in the off season, and all of a sudden all the meeting rooms had microphones and cameras, <laughs> all the hallways had microphones and cameras, the weight room had a microphone and a camera, and I remember all the players were like, oh. They're great watching us. They're trying to listen to everything we do, which they were. Yeah, because if you went up to Mangini's office, he had like the full video board. Like he was uh, a night mall cop security guard, and so he could watch and listen to every room to see what was going on, what the coaches were coaching. And from his standpoint, he was like, "I just want to know and make sure everybody's on the same page." And I want to be able to tap into any room when I'm up in my office and hear what they're talking about, hear what they're, uh, you know, teaching. But we had some players that um, were texting in a meeting, like kind of under the table, you know, they uh-huh. had their phone and Mangini brought one of them up and was like, hey, um, why were you on your phone in the meeting? And he's like, I wasn't on my phone. And he showed him the video. He's like, look, I can zoom in and I could read what you were texting during the meeting on your phone. So 
stop texting or I'm going to find you the next time you do it. I mean, isn't that some big brother stuff? It's a shocker that Eric Mangini didn't work out as a head coach. Yeah, right. But uh, I actually love Eric now. I think he does a great job on Fox Sports. I've got a good relationship. He's a very nice person, extremely bright football mind, but extremely controlling when he was the head coach and definitely tried to play the Bill Belichick role when he was in Cleveland. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Today's show is sponsored by The Athletic, a subscription-based sports news site for real fans. Through in-depth coverage from local writers on every team, plus national writers you already know like Jay Glazer, Mike Sando, and Michael Lombardi, The Athletic is setting a new standard for sports news. There are no ads, pop-ups, or clickbait, just great sports writing that tells the story behind the story. You can get exclusive player profiles, deep dives on analytics, team power rankings, and fantasy sports insights you won't find anywhere else. Each subscriber gets a personalized feed of stories, live writer Q&As, podcasts, and more. Just download the Athletic app, pick your favorite teams, and the Athletic will bring you all of the latest storylines on all the players that matter to you. Ready to get started? Get your 40% off a yearly subscription to The Athletic. Go to theathletic.com slash tomahawk. That's theathletic.com slash tomahawk. You know who didn't try to play the Bill Belichick role because of segues? Kyle Rudolph. Let's give him a call. Wednesdays are for the players. Travis Kelsey. This entire time I thought it was Tomahawk. Tomahawk. Kareem Jackson. Yeah. Do you believe in ghosts? Do I believe in ghosts? Yeah. Ooh. Here we go. Saquon. One, One two, two, three, four. four. I declare a thumb war. Do you think, Ma? Let's get it. It's Tomahawk Show. All right. Now joining us here at the Tomahawk Show, we have the best tight end to ever play in the NFL, Kyle Rudolph of the Minnesota Vikings in the building. Kyle, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. A bit of a reach there, but but I appreciate it. Always <laughs> good to talk to you guys. Nonsense, Kyle. All right, listen. The Vikings have been rolling. You guys are in prime position heading into the playoffs. What has been kind of the feeling in the locker room, understanding what you guys have in front of you? Well, it's big in the NFC. You know, you got to keep track with the 49ers, the Seahawks, the Saints, you know, for us in our division, we got the Packers uh, right there, uh, a game up on us right now. So you kind of look at the landscape and how things are going to shake out. Uh, it's important for us to go out each and every week and, and keep pace. You know, these teams are, are going out each and every week and taking care of their business, and uh, we have to do the same thing. Uh, thankfully for us, we have three division games here in the month of December. We were able to take care of business last week at home against the Lions, and uh, it doesn't get any easier for us. We go on the road to the Chargers this week. Kirk Cousins, one of the most talked about quarterbacks in the NFL, but we're not going to talk about his play on the field right now. I need to know all about his nickname, Kid Cuzzy. Are you buying or are you selling the nickname Kid Cuzzy for your man, Kirk Cousins? Uh, I had not heard that. Oh, um, a tomahawk first. I like it. I, I'd have to sell it uh you can't be you can't be called kid cuzzy and roll around in a excursion van with advertising on the side of it that's just <laughs> those two don't go together <laughs> what kind of advertising does he have on the side of his van it was the uh i can't think of the name of the company and you know i should get a plug for him on here or something but yeah you, you could make millions there's millions of people out there listening so if you had to come up with a nickname that was more fitting for your man kirk cousins than kid cuzzy what would it be Uh, Put me on the spot here, Joe. Um, Man, I mean, I feel like 
all of the obvious ones are along the lines of like his dad humor. You know, if you went like cousin dad or something like that, or maybe like cousin daddy. <laughs> cousin dad might be the funniest nickname I've ever heard in my life. And that actually does fit Kurt perfectly. Well, let's let's jump back to his play on the field. He went through a little bit of a tear this year where he was balling out. There were even people talking about he could be in the running for MVP. What have you seen from him that you're like, man, I, I know this is a guy that can take us to the next level we need as a team? Well, I think the biggest thing, uh, you look at our offense in year two with Kirk and uh, things we're trying to do offensively from a schematic standpoint. Obviously, it starts with running the football, and, and you know we'd be remiss without mentioning Dalvin Cook in that category. Um, but when we're able to run the football, and then we can move Kirk around in, in the play action game, in the boots and naked, uh, that's when Kirk's most comfortable. Uh, last year, you know, we we got for us offensively, we put ourselves behind the eight ball way too many times, and we got into a lot of drop back passes and. Joe, you can attest to this. There's nothing worse than an offensive lineman, and you're protecting 42 dropback passes in a game. I mean, it's just uh, it's not fair to those guys up front. Uh, the rushers in this league are, are too talented and too good. Uh, so for us, we've been able to stay balanced. And when we're balanced and we have that run pass uh, game going, it allows Kirk to move around, and he's not always in the same spot every time. He throws the ball really well on the run, uh, and that's allowed Kirk to, to play well this year. Well, it's funny because you mentioned that. We, we talked about we, me and Joe when we were in Cleveland. We had a similar situation where we were just throwing the ball. And like you said, in the NFL, you cannot throw the ball that much and win. You need balance. You need to keep your defense off the field. You need to help out the guys protecting your quarterback in the past game. Dalvin Cook has been balling this year. And I'm sure, sure Joe's going to follow up with some, some football questions. But I have one more question before I kick it off about Mike Zimmer, who is a maniac. Right. He's funny story about Mike. I was in Cincinnati. He was our D coordinator. I forget which linebacker we had signed that offseason, but he was our big name sign signing at the time. Seven million a year for a linebacker was a lot of money. And I just remember something happened on the field. They run off. And this is my first interaction with Mike Zimmer ever. He pushes me out of the way to get to this linebacker and he shows him like the, the printout and he says, we paid your ass $7 million a year for this? You gotta be shitting me. You suck and just walked off. And I'm like, yo, is that really how coaches talk to people? So I can't imagine he's changed that much, Cal. Do you have any good Mike Zimmer stories for me? You know, coaches calmed down a little bit since his time down there in Cincinnati. I, what? Born, in, born and raised in Cincinnati, so all kinds of great stories when we got coached. About, I can't believe it's been six years already. But, you know, when, when you're a coach and you take over a team or an organization, most of the time you're taking over a team because they weren't good before you got there. You have to establish your culture and your identity. Um, you know, he did that early on. You know, he was tough on us. He was hard on us. Um, we had a young team. So he had to kind of lay his foundation. And I feel like now uh, we've been together for six years. You look at our roster, uh, the core group of our roster has all been here for that six-year tenure. And, you know, now you have a bunch of guys that are in year six, seven, eight, nine, ten, instead of year one, two, three, four. So um, he's eased up on us a little bit. He's not quite as hard as he used to be. 
um, he takes care of us a little more. So this is your first year in what people would call the Kyle Shanahan type offense. Both Hawk and I played for Kyle when we were in Cleveland together. And I think I can speak for both of us in saying that was our favorite offense that we played and everything just fit together so well, the run, the pass, the balance, the way you understood why it was important for the receivers to block a certain way, get your hat on a certain side of the defender. Everything was detailed out in a really specific manner. You played in a bunch of offenses throughout your career. How do you like this offense that you guys have this year compared to those other offenses you've played in in the NFL? Well, I mean, you hit it when you said everything fits together so perfectly, the run, the pass, um, play action, the nakeds. Uh, I think for us, we really got an experience of that this offseason going against our defense. Um, you know, we've always had a great barometer going against our defense. They've been in the top five in the NFL just about every year since Coach Zim's been here. And, um, you know, we know when we're going to be good offensively, when we're having success against those guys. And uh, this offseason going against them with this Shanahan, uh, Kubiak offense, uh, it was like after every period, they'd come over to the sideline and like, it all looks the same. Like, we can't tell what you guys are doing. Uh, we used to be able to just pin our ears back and rush the passer, and now we don't know whether it's a run <laughs> or pass. Or pass. Um, so it, I think that's the biggest thing about this offense is just um, that's why it's so important to be able to run the football because when you can run the football, everything else looks the same and, and fits in off of that. Yeah, You guys have had one of the better defenses in the NFL for a little while, but it's almost flipped this year where the offense in Minnesota has played – at the same level or even better than your defense at times this year. Uh, how has that been for you guys on offense to feel like you're, you're carrying a lot of the load now and you're helping out the defense, whereas in years past, sometimes it felt like the defense was the thing that was carrying the, the Vikings? Well, I think for us, and uh, part of the reason why there was so much frustration early in the year, and you know, obviously everybody heard all the stories coming out of Minnesota, um, it was because we feel like we have so much talent on this offense and, and we weren't we weren't reaching our expectations and yeah the defense has been so good around here for so long and you know we felt like we weren't pulling our way to help us win football games and uh you know really from that point on week four uh after we lost uh in in chicago um you know we really started clicking and we're, we're getting the most out of each one of our guys, whether it's Dalvin, Stefan, um, young receivers stepping up in Adam Thielen's absence, uh, tight ends making big plays. It's the biggest thing for us is we've always felt like we've had the talent to be right up there with our defense. Like I said, we go up against these guys every day of practice. Uh, and now we're starting to put it on tape and, and go out there each and every week and, and make plays to help our team win games. There was a lot made from a national level about the relationship with Stephon Diggs and Kirk Cousins and some speculation that Stephon wanted to be traded early on in the season. But it seems like that has really been uh, tamped down and they've got a great relationship now that you guys are rolling on offense. How have you seen that relationship and Stefan's desire to be in a Vikings uniform change through the course of the season? Well, as you guys know, you, know, you both played a long time in this league. When you're not winning football games, you know, guys are frustrated. And you know, it has nothing to do with um, – I've never met a wide receiver that's any good that doesn't want the football. Um, everybody wants the football. You want to make plays. You want to help your team win. And we weren't winning games. You know, we started the season two and two, and that's certainly not where any of us thought we would be through four games. And um, I think that was the biggest thing early. Everybody from the outside saw all these frustrations and personalities shining through, and uh, it was just 
frustration. We, we weren't living up to expectations. And then, uh, as you guys know, winning seems to cure all in this league. So uh, when we started winning football games and, you know, guys were able to make plays to help our team win games, uh, all that kind of goes by the wayside. All right, now it's time for some hard-hitting questions, Kyle. You're a Cincinnati <laughs> kid, born and raised. A uh, lot of memories from growing up watching the Bengals, I'm sure. Probably a lot of sad memories, depending on exactly what you're uh, pinpointing there. Big question. My take is Andy Dalton has a better Bengals career than Carson Palmer. If you had, if I had to pick one quarterback for the Bengals, and I grew up a Bengals fan too because my brother played from 98 to 2004, I'm taking Andy over Carson. You're a Cincinnati kid. Am I an idiot or do you agree? I think there's a couple of different takes that you can go on that one. And, you know, so for me, Carson was there towards – um, like the end of my elementary school and, and high school, I remember being a sophomore uh, and that was when Carson tore his ACL against the Steelers in that playoff game. Yep. And uh, to me, I think you could argue that was one of the best offenses ever and, and probably the Bengals best shot at, at winning it all. And, um, but with that being said, you go back and look at Andy's career over the last nine years and the success that he's had over the course of nine years, uh, Carson had a lot of success there towards the end of his career, but um, it's hard to argue the sustained success. Obviously, you take a, neither one of them ever won a playoff game in Cincinnati's. But like I said, I grew up watching those teams with Chad Johnson, Ocho Cinco, TJ Hudson, oh, uh, Chris Henry, uh, and they were a lot of fun to watch and had a ton of weapons. So, um, so you got to make a decision. Which one you're going? You're going Carson. I'm going Carson. Yeah. Oh. All right, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll let you get that one. Kyle, we're going to let you go, man. We appreciate you joining us on the Tomahawk Show, your second appearance, man, two times, because we liked it so much the first time, man. Thank you. Absolutely. Good luck down the stretch, brother. Well, that was our man Kyle Rudolph, the great tight end from the Minnesota Vikings. As you aptly put it, the best tight end mm-hmm. in NFL history outside of maybe Travis Kelsey. But I think that's 1A and 1B when you're talking about tight yeah, ends. Yeah, man. It's, um, pick your poison. Well, I think that pretty much does it for today's show. But I think we got to pick the catchphrase game for this week. Last Thursday night football game of the season for me. So it's going to be my last opportunity of the football season to be able to throw those catchphrases out there. So this is going to be an important one. We've got four finalists. I think what we need to do is pick two of them. Okay. And then we'll put it on Twitter and we'll let the fans, we'll let the Tomaflock decide what is the catchphrase of the week. So if you're ready, I'm going to go ahead and uh, read Read the four finalists. We've got. Like a skid loader stuck in the mud. <laughs> Sometimes you got to watch the bread rise. Mm. Don't forget the gift receipt. Or like an astronaut eating a ribeye, the stakes have never been higher. <laughs> and uh, the fans in the room here, which is my wife, uh, Annie, and <laughs> our audio engineer just laughed because they apparently really like number four. <laughs> like an astronaut eating a ribeye the steaks. I would like to high. make a uh, request and an change edit? that to like an astronaut eating a tomahawk steak. Uh, like an astronaut eating a tomahawk. The stakes have never been high. <laughs> Bingo. I don't know. I, I mean, do All we right, so need to vote? Finalist. We just need one more out there. Okay. Out of those three remaining ones. You like the skid loader? No. 
Oh, shocker. Like a skid loader <laughs> stuck in the mud. That's, thought for sure that was what you were going to ride with. Yeah. What are you going with? I'm going to go with don't forget the gift receipt. Okay, I think that'd be funny. It's the holiday season. <laughs> whoop de whoop a doodly dee okay i forgot you like to sing uh holiday christmas carols yeah i like christmas the carols, so well anyways uh that's it for the show go ahead and vote on our twitter page at tomahawk show whoop. or instagram or wherever the hell you get our social media stuff and let us know which catchphrase is going to be the catchphrase of the week i think it's pretty obvious what one is going to win, but I'm interested to see <laughs> how much it wins by. So right. um, I think we'll be back next week with our normal Sunday, Tuesday show because both of us will be back and to our regularly scheduled homes in uh, Los Angeles and Wisconsin. Um, so until then, I guess, Hawk, why don't you give me your final thoughts since this is a little bit of a topsy-turvy Tuesday episode? Hmm, final thoughts. I don't do final thoughts. So. I know. Um, my brain is, is wrecked and I have nothing. So that's a great final final thought. thoughts are give me a Tory Holt final thought. Pay me my damn twenty nine ninety nine back, Tory Holt. <laughs> Do you remember the name of the video? I don't. It was probably like Tory Holt's key Tory to Holt. success. Receiver power. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. All right. Well, I think that does it for today's show. Why don't you take us out? Joe Hawk yourself, kids.